You're both raising a boy and a girl, right? <laughs> not, not together. <laughs> yes, we do. We have you separately. Separately, <laughs> separately, yeah. That'd be a good social experiment. Just pull them together. Joe and her come together to raise children. children. Yeah. <laughs> Pitch stop, it tonight, Gary. Constantly you love that. trying <laughs> love to make us. content, Patty. Just, just That's it. I just oh, I have to take the hat off. Hello and welcome to Girls With Goals. I'm Neve Marr and I'm delighted to welcome to studio my guest panellists this week, Gillian Fitzpatrick, editor of Her.ie and Paddy McKenna, head of content for Joe.ie. We did have an all-male panel on last week's show and this week it's all about women and Paddy because as we know it is International Women's Day on the 8th of March. So later on we'll be talking to Helen Kyo of World Vision Ireland. She'll be talking to us about keeping girls in education and the Girl Rising movie as well. We'll also be talking to Jessica Miles who started a Facebook group that aims to keep girls playing sport. But first, my lovely panellists, welcome to the show. Thank you. We're so enthused, don't we? <laughs> Hello, <laughs> Neve. We are definitely enthused. Very glad to be here. Hello, Neve. How are you? So we're going to start with our Is that game. Your script, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, how yeah, it's good. Six words or less. So, Gillian, you've played this so many times. So I think we're going to start with Paddy McKenna. So, Paddy, can you describe yourself in six words or less? Um, is that one? Damn it. No. As I go. Uh, okay, uh, my six words are less. Uh, last minute replacement. I need coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Can't give it away, Paddy. You were my first choice for this no. show. Well, uh, thank you. I, I tell you, it's more of a cry for help than a de- than a description. Or, okay. um, but I'm very glad to be here. That's good. It's a non- like I've listened to this show every week. Yeah. I'm I'm one of your biggest fans. Really, it's of, great to have I'm you on. I'm a big fan of Girls with Gold. So. Fantastic. It's a thrill to be and to do six words or less. Yeah, wow. I know. What a we, moment for your what career. What a thrill. <laughs> Gillian, you've done it 17 times, but we'll ask you <laughs> to do six words or less as well, please. So if you could describe yourself. I have a cold, feeling miserable. Oh, lads, come on. You're really not giving me a <laughs> The tone here has been set and I'm a bit worried No, do you know what? The reason why I want to I want disclaimer the fact that I have a cold in case A, I'm coughing and spluttering mm-hmm. at any stage or people think that I sound different and perhaps I'm not who I say I am. I always like the sound of a sexy cold though. Okay, it's great. Like, it's like Phoebe and Friends, isn't it? My sticky mm-hmm. shoes. Uh-huh. When you get that really sexy phlegm going on. Okay, super. Well, yeah. expect some sexy phlegm then. Well, right. <laughs> hashtag good. sexy phlegm. Yeah. That's the hashtag for today's we show. Already We already have a hashtag going. So International Women's Day is coming up on the 8th of March. So do you know the history of International Women's Day? Tell us more. I feel like I should say that. I don't want to tell you. I mean, this is I'm going to ask you guys questions. So it's definitely something that over the last few years has gotten a lot more. uh, I don't use the word mainstream, but it seems to have a much bigger profile. I've certainly seen a lot of events being planned around International Mm -hmm. Women's Day, which I think maybe five, six years ago, we wouldn't have seen that. It was something that was it was a hashtag or it was something that um, was quite niche and it's great to see how how it's expanded over the last few years. It's actually a hundred years old. So it was 1908 when it started first and it started with workers in New York City who were looking for better wages for women and equal hours or something like Mm. that and then I think it was 1975 that the UN actually officially Mm recognised it as a day to celebrate which is great but I always feel and it's good to have you here Paddy in general but it's very good to have you here for this particular reason because one of the things that always happens on International Women's Day is men always ask about when's International Men's Day? Yeah. Why do you do that? <laughs> do I have to speak for my entire gender now? If you could, Just three billion people yeah, I'm going to yeah, talk for here now. 50% of the world's population, please. We are all about gender balance well, on this show. Well, do you know show. something, right? I think International Women's Day is a brilliant, uh, a brilliant idea. I didn't realise it was 100 years old, yeah. but I think the conversations around 
womanhood and what it means to be a woman over the last 100 years, 50 years, 20 years have been incredibly positive and progressive. And if anything, men have been left behind. I don't know if you saw, it was a brilliant piece in the New York Times post um, the Florida shooting. Mm-hmm. It was The Boys Aren't, I think it was the title was The Boys Aren't Alright. Yep. Uh, riff on The Kids Aren't Alright. Yeah. And it was about how basically the conversations around what it is to be a woman have been so advanced and progressive over the last 20 years that really women know who they are what they are as a gender I know just to generalise like that is, is kind of a bit bit pointless but that men haven't been having those conversations yeah. and in some ways I actually do think an International Men's Day would be really useful well, because there is I one in November is right, it's, okay. just, it's just there is actually of course we've had we've done so for <laughs> we it's just know that. not <laughs> it's no, not recognised by the UN yeah. so it's not an official day there is a lot of conversations about women and I think in the last year in particular it's been huge and that's to do with like the Me Too campaign mm. and stuff a lot has changed in the last 365 days since International Women's Day last year even though women are constantly striving to kind of get all of the things that we are entitled to, men, I feel, are now pulling back a little bit because they feel like maybe they don't exactly know what they're allowed to say or what they're yeah, not allowed to say. It's definitely a, a time of transformation. Yeah, um, I do think that women still have ground to make up. Um, mm-hmm. And I do think that the likes of International Women's Day and, and recent movements that have gained a lot of traction, it is about addressing the imbalance that was there and, and continues to be there. I mean, we've spoken previously on, on Girls of Goals about the likes of gender pay inequality um, and how that's an issue for an awful lot of women. Um, uh, career progression uh, opportunities outside of say parenthood or motherhood yeah. and they're things that, that undoubtedly girls and women still face so the likes of International Women's Day it is a wonderful opportunity to champion uh, great women great success stories and to evaluate what the world is like for, for many women and I think yeah I think it's such a brilliant example for again as I talk for three billion people <laughs> uh, I think it is a brilliant example for men like the I don't think International Men's Day should be at the expense of women just like I think International Women's Day shouldn't be at the expense of men like yeah. this is you know we've got like men and women We're, we all have to live on this planet we have to make it as as positive an experience as that can be f- for you know male kind and female kind okay so let's just establish that this is not at one I think that kind of conversation Definitely. is a destructive conversation yeah. and a kind of an unhelpful conversation but for me the conversation around emotional growth and I think looking at the New York Times piece it was about it was kind of like emotionally stunted and arrested development emotionally for young men in America yeah. and particularly in the wake of these shootings because so many of these shootings I, I'm not going to say it's 100% but I think the vast, 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 vast majority of high school shootings in America are carried out by angry young men It really is yeah, yeah. I not, don't know the stats on I it don't but think I, I've, never sin- heard of I, I've, I've never heard of it I don't think there is one uh, in, in high school where yeah. it's been a young teenage girl that no, has gone I haven't in heard one. and shot up the school so I mean clearly this is a problem for men to deal with in that regard yeah, and I think at the moment I was watching Young Offenders the other night and I was just thinking they're such brilliant role models because they're total scallywags yeah. scamps rascals you totally can associate with them but they're such rounded characters mm-hmm. they're emotionally developed they you know they're, they're, very, they're a great friendship they're there for each other but then they're not afraid to be vulnerable they as talk well. about their emotions a little of, bit as time. well yeah. and you know they love their man but they're not afraid to show that like yeah. the most recent episode I was just I don't want to spoil it but it's just so brilliantly written and it's such a beautiful um, example of male friendship and mm. I think for me that's when I watch that I'm like this is 
amazing that like after Derry Girls which was just such a mm-hmm. such a home run for Irish comedy yeah. that we have Peter Foote and uh, the Young Offenders team coming up with such gold and the fact that it's such a huge hit I think is so positive to see these two guys um, the, the young actors um, Chris and Alex they're amazing in the roles but the characters are so well drawn yeah I think you said like about role models there and it's interesting because you're both parents and you're both raising now tell me if I'm right you're both raising a boy and a girl right <laughs> not, not together <laughs> <laughs> yes we do we have you separately separately yeah have we, a boy and yeah. a girl that'd be a good social experiment just pull them to get Joe and her come together to raise children, children. yeah <laughs> stop, stop McGarry. constantly love trying <laughs> to make it. content Patty just, just that's it I just oh I have to take the hat off yeah so you both have little boy and little girl separately are you instilling different things in your little girl for example Gillian I mean my daughter Julia will be five in April yeah um, and it's amazing to see even in in those five years the child that she's become yeah. and she's very she's very independent and she's very confident in, in many ways but then also she's quite insecure in, in other yeah. ways about You told me a great herself. story about her once I think it was the girls in the school or the, the school was doing a play or something and everybody had to dress up like was it something from the Trolls or yes. was it something yeah, yeah. like this? Are you familiar with Trolls? Mm, well, yeah, have, yeah. We, we haven't got them in just yet well, mine are a bit younger okay. but yeah, yeah. I know no, the I'm trolls. intimately familiar with the movie Trolls okay. uh, Yeah, Julia decided so th- they dressed up as for her uh, crash graduation so when she last summer when they were all moving on to, to big school yeah. um, and they had a little graduation Graduation and, and part of that was performance, which they themed around trolls because most uh, four-year-olds are very, very obsessed with that movie and the characters in it. Um, and they could dress up uh, from whatever whatever character they liked the best from trolls. They they could dress up yeah. for for the occasion. And Julia decides to go as Branch, which is the the male <laughs> protagonist from it. And all the other like all her other like, uh, like friends, girlfriends trolls. were exactly were, yeah. were Princess Polly. Mm. Uh, which is you know the the girl troll and she's very pink and and lovely and sweet and uh, a ribbon in her hair and and Branch is like a real lad you know and he's uh, and also his name is he's Branch grey and green and <laughs> a little bit grumpy and that but it, I mean that was super she was the only girl who dressed up as Branch yeah <laughs> so cool she's though. definitely she's always been a bit of a tomboy like she's definitely yeah. not into dresses she's not into kind of girly things and I suppose uh, I've never I've never forced her into a dress or, yeah. or forced her into to quote unquote girly things but it's it's funny because at the same time you know when I look at my son and, and he's just turned two recently I mean I want him to also be you know sensitive and uh, yeah. I don't want him to be like a lad and you know look my husband my my male friends my male colleagues by and large they're just really great nice people yeah. um, and I really value the the male friendships that I have, and that's that's the way I want my my kids to grow up. You know, not not too kind of focused on gender and that. Like one thing, and actually, Patty and I have discussed this. One thing that was really important to me was to make sure that I sent my daughter to a mixed school, like yeah. a co-ed school. I didn't want her to go to a single sex school, as I did. You know, when I was growing up, I went to primary and secondary school. It was was an all girls school. Mm. I thought it was really really important that that both my son and daughter went to a, a co-ed school. Yeah, well, I mean, I went to an all-girls school and you just don't really have any interaction and then you're thrust into college and all of a sudden you're 18 and you're surrounded by men you don't know what to do. <laughs> so I've now, I'm have i shocked at the amount of, like, single-sex schools in Dublin versus, yeah. like, outside Dublin. Mm. Like, there's no single-sex schools 
in Leitrim that I know of where I grew up like every single secondary school is co-ed yeah maybe I mean it that's is a obviously thing. for a population thing as well because yeah. why would you have separate schools send everybody to the same school yeah I mean even in Connacht I'm thinking there's Jarlitz which is a boys school there's a school there's the convent in Tume which is a, an all girls school there's probably a couple others but there aren't many like mostly the trend is towards co-ed because yeah. again I think for population reasons and if you're bringing people in from all over and busting them in you want to bust them into one place yeah. whereas with Dublin you've got more population but I would be of the same opinion. Did like, you go to a mixed school? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I've Brendan O'Connor wrote a really interesting piece actually about that as well. He said kind of the same thing, like, you know, you you grow up, he went to an all-boys school as well and then when he got older, he didn't know how to have female friends. It was alien to me growing up. Like, my my school education was literally like an Enid Blyton book. Like, we played hockey, we ate crumpets, we did trampolining, we used to steal apples from the orchard. Like, it was bonkers. And then, you know, I don't think it really equipped you for life. Yeah, well, from my own experience, I have still got male and female friends from school, very good friends. Like, you know, the friends you go to their weddings, you invite them to to your wedding, all that kind of stuff. Um, And I, through my life as well, have had many great female friendships. Um, as opposed to you know romances or one romance after another in cases of like and I don't know what it's like for a single single sex school but for me the real world is we all mix in together yeah. so I can't countenance the idea of sending and I mean this isn't about I mean, we're talking about International Women's Day but I think the most positive experience for boys and girls is to mix yeah and I don't understand I genuinely don't understand I know that there is there's some research there that girls do better in all girls' schools. I think that was the research. Some of that has been debunked now, though. That, yeah. that research is, is a little bit outdated, actually, okay. and it's it's cited quite regularly. But uh, more recent research would suggest that that's actually nonsense. That it's beneficial for both girls and boys to be in a co-ed environment. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why I know my parents sent me to an all-girls secondary school because they wanted me to just not be around boys. So their logic was right. Yeah, but, but everything then, else. Do you find though, though that it well, it just makes you just want to hang out with boys. <laughs> exactly. So we weren't allowed to go off campus either at lunchtime. So we would like rebels that we were. We would just run down to Park. Paul's and yeah, well, St Paul's is the boys' school. <laughs> and then there were times when the boys' school would run in and like moon us and stuff like this, and the nuns would just go mental. But I mean, I Fair think enough. <laughs> <laughs> it was some art class. It was a great class. But that's it. Like I mean, segregating like that, and then you just kind of I don't know. It maybe it make makes you, you rebel. It did a bit make more. you strangely excited when you. You were like a 14 or 15 year old girl and, and a boy came into the school that was you know a the male teachers day. must have been like <laughs> demigods I used to feel so bad for the male teachers because I remember like when we were getting older in secondary school the, the male teachers like they weren't getting younger but we were just getting older so they would have been what tw- early 20s Yeah. and I used to feel bad for them because we were just we would all be in the front row like you're like Hi, sir. And they were just like, get away from me immediately. Which are you live and learn, I suppose. Um, we are going to take a quick break now. Earlier on in the week, I was speaking to Jessica Miles. So she started a Facebook group to keep girls playing sport last year. And I caught up with her. Jess Miles joins me now on the line. Jess is a rugby coach and the founder of the Keeping Girls in Sports Facebook page. Jess, before we talk about the page itself, um, could you tell me a bit about your own sporting background? Right. Well, um, growing up, I was always into sport and then I just stopped and I lost all my motivation. I I just didn't really do anything anymore. And socially, I lost out. I missed out on so much. And um, What age did you stop at? It, um, it was about 12. Right, okay, yeah. So it was around joining secondary school. Mm-hmm. I just lost all motivation for it. 
And um, until after having my two kids, I just jumped back into it. I started coaching younger girls and I feel a bit more alive now. Not that I don't being a mum, but it's just... So you were coaching young girls in rugby, is that right? Before Christmas is when you started the page though. Yes, yeah, I didn't I didn't start the page for a little while because it was a confidence thing. I didn't know whether it was the right time. You know, it was just one of those things. As a woman, I don't know whether it's my place, but hearing the amount of girls that, that, that you know, my local town didn't have a team anymore and in not just rugby, in Gaelic football, in the tennis club that was there, couldn't run anymore on the girls' side of things and I felt like I wanted to do something to try and help. So you set the page up in October. So what's the response been since then? Oh, it's been fantastic. I've been, I've had so many emails about what asking what people can do to try and help their local communities. And I've been traveling around and actually visiting the clubs and speaking to the girls myself. And kind of from a research point of view, just kind of seeing what is stopping these girls and what's pushing them out from the clubs. Or What are you finding the answer is to that most of the time? most of it's to do with pressures like they feel too pressured to win or if they don't feel like they're good at doing good enough they'll just give quite quick and if they're not as good as some of their friends that have joined the club they're very quick to leave as well scared of embarrassing themselves or it seems to be that kind of age as well it seems to be around the 12 13 year old mark that um girls tend to drop off the transition between primary school and definitely secondary school that plays a big role in it because everything is changing you know sports at the minute when they get to secondary school it doesn't seem like such an important thing anymore because there's so much else going on there's so much focus on exams as you get older and getting that education but from a mental health point of view I believe that staying in a sports group would help you cope with those pressures. What would you say to parents who maybe have daughters who are getting a little bit fed up with sport or maybe seem to be losing interest in it? What advice would you have for them? Well, just make sure that the sport they're into is definitely the right sport for them if they're definitely comfortable playing in the sport. And even I try to advise the parents of the girls I coach to even come and watch the training session sometimes and just try and notice if there's a factor that your daughter is struggling with. Like, is the fitness too much? Is is she struggling with certain aspects of the sport? Is she not getting on with the girls? There's there's so many reasons behind it. But, you know, sports is still, this day and age, not seen as a, a thing that girls do or that ladies do. And we have to kind of fight harder to get that pushed off a bit more. But it's um, boys are always so encouraged to just get into sports. It, it's not as hard to get boys to come down to the club. And, yeah or even to join a football, you know, we have two teams for the boys' teams and I struggle to get one team. It's that kind of situation, but it's girls come down and then we have all sorts of comments of, oh, well, you're not very fit or, you know, you're a girl, you won't be here long and it's... But I don't think that's that's their fault, you know, they're so young as well. Like, we can't say that. Yeah. I think they're kind of conditioned to almost feel like that and feel a little bit like they might be stronger than girls from a younger age. It's kind of school ground stuff, isn't it? It's like the way they push you over. Yeah, it's a cliche image of girls are are small and boys are big kind of Mm. thing. You know, it's, it's all around. It's every sport. It's not just rugby, but obviously that's my main view at the minute, but... You know, if we can get these girls out there educated that you don't have to be muscly and skinny to actually take part in sports, it's none of that body image thing. Rugby in particular is an interesting sport as well when it comes to women because it's got a lot of stick, I suppose, in the media with some people 
saying that women shouldn't play rugby at all. Like I heard that from someone, I can't remember who it was who said that, but there was uproar, obviously. Um, does that make you really angry to hear that? It does. And um, my next comment probably might add to you, but even as a coach, I've had comments from the sidelines and from male coaches that I shouldn't coach. I'm a woman. I don't know rugby. And, you know, it's so I completely get, I completely understand that you've heard things like that. And it's, I think a lot of women deal with it. Even, you know, you see things like in the Olympics that there's commentators saying things about women taking part. And yeah. if we can kind of stop that a bit more, then because these young girls see those comments they see they do see things in the media as much as we want to say they don't and they don't pick up on it they do yeah and it's that kind of education that the young kids not just girls need do you ever call people out if they question your authority as a coach as a as a female rugby coach um i have started to now have you it's it's gonna start getting me in trouble but i (laughs) because I don't want the girls to see me as just taking those comments on board. Yeah, I've experienced that a little bit myself. I, I was I was coming off court um, one day, and one of the referees. This was a big kind of national tournament. One of the referees was like, "Oh, you played really well." And then I walked away and I overheard him say to somebody else, um, "That was a great match, wasn't it, for ladies?" And I was just like, "Oh, yeah." I wanted to deck him a little end, bit. It wasn't needed. No, it wasn't needed that end. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell me, what's the plan then with the Facebook page? So obviously, since it's been set up, you've got lots of interest. Hopefully, it's helping your club where you are. But I mean, you said that you were traveling around a little bit. So do you have more plans for that for 2018? I have plenty of plans. Um, I might actually need more diaries in in my house. But um, I'm going to be going to Kildare and Galway soon and visiting some rugby clubs down there and taking part in races. But I'm kind of keeping them on the pages a little bit. So yeah. I want to practice what I preach. If I'm telling these young girls to get out and do some exercise, I want them to see me doing my exercise and pushing myself that bit more. And um, I'm also going to start going into school soon as well and teaching the girls about healthy living and the importance of exercise, mental health, well-being. And there's there's so many angles to this that it's, it's shocking that no one else has beat me to it, to be honest. Absolutely. Well, I follow the page and I think it's brilliant that you're doing it. I think going into schools is an incredible idea as well. Get them while they're young, Jess. Yes, definitely. Okay, so we're back. That was Jessica Miles there who I was speaking to. She started a Facebook group about keeping younger girls playing sports. She's a rugby coach. Um, She's brilliant. I love what she's doing. She's actually been getting a lot of good press about it as well. In a sport-related issue, we ran a piece on site there on her.ie and I think it ran on Sports Joe as well about Leah Lyons. Um, So it was written by Pat McCarry and it was a great piece. Unfortunately, it was because of a shitty situation. And I mean, again, I don't want to get into man-hating or anything like this but basically Leah Lyons was heckled during the test match against Wales they won the match it was a great match um, but she took to Twitter to kind of voice her concern saying poor choice of wording from a man in the crowd heifer in relating to myself you're seated three rows away from my family who heard you and surrounded by young children girls and boys who are all shapes and sizes rugby is a game for all ain't got nothing good to say say nothing at all this made my blood boil. I was so angry. I was so angry at the person who did that. I was angry about the fact that young girls and boys heard this and I felt really angry for Leah as well because I was just like this is an international athlete representing her country doing an amazing job and then she gets heckled like this so it kind of shows that we are still a little bit away from the levels of respect I know heckling happens in male sport as well and it definitely does I know that but I just think this was 
it was something that kind All of stuck out as well out. like in male sport obviously you've got a much higher proportion of professional athletes um, mm. often being paid a lot of money or having a high high yeah. profile um, and there's probably an element that they're prepared and protected for the kind of criticisms that might come with being in the public eye and yeah. then when you go down the lower ranks or when you go into female sports I mean often these are these are women who are making massive massive sacrifices in order to represent their country Oh 100% um, and we They all have full time jobs Precisely and, yeah. and that applies to hockey to rugby to soccer where hugely hugely talented athletes uh, because they, they could never even approach the kind of money that that their male counterparts can earn, they they do have full time jobs and, and yeah. they are juggling a million things and and making, as I said, huge huge sacrifices in order to go out in that pitch and and to represent their country. So I think in the circumstances that's that's really really disappointing. Then yes, absolutely, probably in some capacity, all sportsmen and women they're at the receiving end of criticism either mm. online or in person or when they're trying to play a game um, but in the context of of you know and, and the Irish uh, women's rugby team they've done absolutely brilliantly over the last few years I mean yeah. they really should be championed um, and and they've, they've they won the Grand Slam a couple of years ago they they're a fantastic fantastic team yeah um, and it's really important in particular I think that we that we all support um, support women's support uh, sport in general, but but definitely the rugby when they when they are being so successful. Yeah, what do you think? Oh, look at it, it's pig ignorance is what it is. Mm. But you will get it at any sports fixture <laughs> anywhere in Ireland. Yeah, probably at underage level as well. I think it was great that she spoke out on it. Like 100%. this is the thing. I think a lot of like a lot of men maybe and women will will hear these kind of slurs and not necessarily speak about it. But I think it's important, especially it's especially for rugby, where like it does come in all shapes and sizes. You know, like you need to be stronger if you're in that position. You know, you need to be able to take those tackles and stuff. So I think it was really good that she kind of high highlighted it and also highlighted that we have to be aware that there are people around who are absorbing this kind of language I don't think I think it's good that she's highlighted without question Um, I think that it's the kind of thing that is going on at a lot of fixtures and I think it's glossed over you Mm -hmm. know it's probably glossed over by main we'll say male fixtures like you're going to get a lot of abuse I was at a League of Ireland game recently and there was a right back playing for Bowes and like just the abuse that he got about his nose like it's just anything that people can really? latch on to yeah like he was being so called maybe it's just sports Woody fans Woodpecker. like what's and the just issue like, well like basically I don't know about this particular issue in terms of like I don't know if it was a, an away fan that was trying to get under the skin yeah. of like an Irish player mm-hmm. and trying to gain an advantage for their team well she said it was an Irish it did sound like yeah. it was and that's kind of weird I mean in that instance this is like the particular instance was a Pats fan was trying to get under the skin of a Bose player yeah. and put them off their game right. and you will see that at fixtures to heckle one of your own teammates about physical a physical appearance or anything it's just dumb yeah. like why would you do that that's just thick so I mean this fan is ignorant and stupid Yeah. I mean that to me is just uh, you know I'm wondering I'm wondering like first of all Leah's done brilliantly to highlight it but what can you do to stamp out this kind of ignorance I mean it's fair to highlight it yeah where does it go clearly like you don't want it to happen like what are you going to do like are you going to take that person out evict them from the ground it's a potentially it's an option but to police yeah. stands I mean I think not possible. I don't think you can do that and I think that's a valid point as well so I think the bigger issue is that I loved seeing something like this get national media attention and I'm talking about a female athlete highlighting an issue that she was facing so I mean and again, it comes back to what you were saying, Gillian, earlier, just about, you know, the fact that these women make huge sacrifices. So I think actually in Ireland, you know, it does happen 
with both genders but in Ireland in general when it comes to female athletes they're not given enough of a platform to talk they're not given as much respect as male professional athletes are and that's where I think actually we could change it and I'm not saying that that will make people not heckle them but I think that if we give our female athletes professional athletes or otherwise that kind of level of respect and that's what we kind of try and do on this podcast I was interviewing Kira Griffin only last week about the the Six Nations and she was telling us about the sacrifices that they do and she was talking about the World Cup last year and how the lads came down to some of their matches and how they really appreciated the support from the men's team as well so I think actually if we give female athletes more of a platform on our national media then maybe it won't be like oh my god the women are talking what are we going to do let's kick everyone out of the stands do you know what I mean no, I think. Look, it's just about balance for me Paddy sums it up perfectly it's just dumb it's yeah. stupid and as well I think for an athlete if you're going to criticise something yeah maybe do criticise uh, their hair their nose whatever criticising their body is just ridiculous because that's that's what their um, you know sporting career is built on exactly the fact that like if you have a physique whatever it is but it's reflective of the the sport that you that you're doing yeah you know and then the reason why you're successful within your chosen field is because you're either uh, small short mm. you're tall you're big you're small whatever like different sports lend themselves to different types of body shapes you know rugby as you say you want to be strong you want to be fit you want to be able um, and and the the women's rugby team their bodies reflect that yeah so we are going to get back slightly now to International Women's Day so this is going to be a huge year for Ireland obviously we have the repeal the 8th referendum which is going to be happening and we've covered repeal on the podcast and of course on both her and joe.ie so the campaign has kind of tentatively started happening now we're seeing little bits and bobs popping up what are you both expecting this year in the run up to the referendum it's look I think the time has come for for Ireland to repeal the Eighth Amendment, mm. um, and it's it's something that's really important to a lot of men and to women, and it's just it's been too long, and and I personally find it embarrassing that we export this problem, um, and I think it's shameful that we that we tell women that they have to get on a plane or a boat and go to another country in order to have this carried out an abortion carried out so um, yeah the the time has come and um, I hope that at the end of May that that Ireland does vote to repeal the 8th and we're going to be doing some good coverage on it obviously and her can't give away too much but we're going to be doing some great coverage on it joe.ie Paddy obviously um, kind of more focused towards the male perspective you sure. could say um, so what can we expect from Joe in terms of coverage well I mean clearly this is a, an issue for both uh, mm-hmm. men and women although I do feel that on this particular issue that we need to hear more from women than men and frequently we don't you know uh, you hear a lot of male voices on this particular issue but um, for me like what what Gillian said is true I think both sides at the moment are thinking it's better to say nothing yeah because the close we get to it I do think it'll ramp up I'll be honest with you I think we're in for a couple of very difficult months as a country Mm. the conversation is not going to be straightforward we do know it's a very emotive issue we know it's not a straightforward conversation and characterised in any debate on either election or referendum would say internationally whether that's the American election I have to take a sigh there just as I reflect on that yeah. Brexit what are they being characterised by misinformation yeah. um, dirty tactics mm. I mean despite what however the bona fide either side is here there are outside forces that are going to come into play here and that for me is going to be the most 
uh, troubling and wearying part of the conversation. I have huge respect for the people that have this con- that are having this conversation and doing it in a an honest manner, an upfront manner. But to have that conversation is very, very difficult. Um, from a Joe point of view, we've uh, recently ran a mini doc on the origins of the Eighth Amendment, which most people will just flippantly, oh, the Eighth, the Eighth, and not know like that in 1983 that the it was inserted. Yeah. At the time, it wasn't uh, something that the people were looking for. It wasn't legally required, but it was inserted into the Constitution. And again, I would encourage people to go and look at that hashtag story great, of the Eighth. Yeah, it's a great piece. Made by a great great young journalist and Joe called uh, Rosanna Cooney and lots of other people and Joe that were involved in that and so it's a great piece to give yourself um, a platform and a foundation on understanding the history of the Eighth Amendment which is I think a good it's uh, in some ways it's 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 a less emotive way to get into the conversation yeah. and to understand what's where where it came from and what now we are potentially going to repeal to be honest I will like Gillian be voting to repeal personally mm-hmm. I'll be voting to repeal the 8th amendment um again I would share some of the same same as Gillian I do think that it's not something that we should be proud of or it's actually shameful like Gillian said that we ask our female our women to go to another country whether that's England Holland wherever or even more worryingly um abortion pills you yeah. know I mean this like ordering them online we and just can't just ignore yeah. this like yeah. this is happening the internet the globalisation has occurred we can't just brush it under the yeah. carpet so what we have to do is we have to rely on the people initially to repeal the 8th and then on our elected representatives to legislate for whatever goes in instead I think one of the things we have to focus on as well like and you both touched on it there is is knowledge so I've encountered people um, a few times who have kind of hummed and hawed about what they would vote on and I think we take it for granted I think we took it for granted with Brexit as well like literally when I walked into work the next morning and I saw on Sky News that that had happened I was in shock but everyone had just kind of sat back and gone like there's no problem here this won't happen and then it did happen and I think that there needs to be a really clear cut campaign of information so that people understand exactly what it is that's happening and I've spoken to people and said to them we'll have a conversation at a later date as in like let's not get into a huge screaming match now on giving people the right to to an abortion like there's so much information that needs to be shared and like you said I think it is the responsibility of the government I I think that the no side in any of these debates whether that is like like I would consider um, leave to be like the equivalent of no like because it's a no to Europe or in this instance um, pro-life um, I think it's a no is actually an easier message to convey. You can actually reduce it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, here's the reasons why we shouldn't. Exactly. It's not, and this it's isn't an easier clear message cut. to convey. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm like you. I'm thinking that from a, a pro-choice point of view, that the message right now. I don't think is that clear cut in no, terms of like not. connecting with people that are going to vote from chatting to people, mm-hmm. friends, family, um, people in Dublin and outside Dublin. I think people are confused as I to think what they are. they're going and to vote on. And I think we on. have a responsibility as members of the media as well to make sure that we're not running around going like, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do. It's about... Arm yourself with knowledge, definitely. Informing yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. So like watch that documentary, learn about the origins of where this amendment came from and figure out exactly 
exactly what it would mean to you and what it would mean to your family and make sure that you go into that booth knowing all knowing everything basically oh look at and it's a really difficult one to call I don't yeah. think anyone has a clear cut or would say with confidence what way the vote is going to go and probably from the from the repeal side of things um, for those looking to repeal the 8th it probably timing could have been better I mean mm. arguably a couple more years I mean there's absolutely been a rise of right wing politics throughout Europe throughout the world mm. um, and you look at countries like Italy and Austria and it's, it's quite frightening um, so it's it, it is I, I definitely agree with Paddy like the the pro-life no side has an easier argument it's a more straightforward message to deliver yeah. um, and it's kind of riding the wave of Europe-wide politics and Europe-wide view on matters such as abortion or indeed immigration um, you know which which Brexit reflects so it's it's a very uncertain time and that's it in the in a in a very uncertain world it's like status quo mm. just leave it the way it is sure like you know it's grand like yeah. oh, that's a very uh, that's a very very reductive um, approach uh, to what potentially is a pro-life argument but I do feel that if it doesn't isn't repealed it's because people weren't sure weren't sure yeah weren't sure and I think that's that's the thing that's my concern as someone who wants to see um, the 8th repealed yeah. that I'm worried that it won't be because people will be unsure and if they're unsure that either they either won't vote and if they do make it to the ballot box anybody who's on the fence will just say mm, play it safe play it I safe. think we're all going to try and make sure that uh, you know the most amount of knowledge is out there for everybody everybody who reads both sites and everybody who listens to the podcast and stuff Absolutely. like that watch this space all the information is coming so you can make an informed decision so like I said earlier there are a heap of events happening across Ireland and the world for International Women's Day Girl Rising is a movie that follows the stories of nine girls from developing countries showing them overcoming great obstacles to obtain an education I spoke to Helen Kyo of World Vision Ireland earlier in the week about the work that they do I'm joined on the line now by Helen Kyo, who is the Chief Executive of World Vision Ireland. Helen, before we talk a bit about International Women's Day and the Girl Rising movie, could you tell me a little bit about the work that World Vision Ireland does? Uh, World Vision Ireland is an overseas development agency uh, and we're part of the larger um, World Vision Partnership and we work in over 100 countries worldwide. World Vision Ireland focuses its attention really in a number of countries in Africa, five countries in East and West Africa, where we do long-term development, which is supported through child sponsorship, our uh, donors who stay with us for a number of years so that we can help out communities and particularly vulnerable children in those communities. It's a, you know, it's a hand up, not a a hand out. We work with people to alleviate uh, poverty and to ensure that they have a sustainable lifestyle for the future. We're also um, engaged in humanitarian response. Uh, we support work that's done in fragile states such as Somalia, Sudan, South Sudan and now Syria. And we're supported uh, in that by Irish aid because as you can imagine, these are um, countries that really are on the brink of disaster all the time. We're trying to get them to the stage where or into rehabilitation, not just relief. Yeah. And we also have, we also have a focus on advocacy because, you know, this is all about justice and equality. And it's very, very important that we speak out uh, on behalf of those who have no voice and also to listen to the voices of 
those who we work with in the communities where we are working and ensure that that voice is heard. One of the things you focus on as well, Helen, is education in particular for children. You say that a life without education is a life without opportunity. So how bad is the situation for children at the moment globally trying to access education? Well, there's something like, uh, you know, there's one and a half billion uh, girls who are not able to access education at all. I mean, our whole thing there is uh, girls' lives are completely changed by education. If, if you educate girls, and we've seen this countless times, I've seen the evidence of this with my own eyes from visiting our work in the field. If, if you break that cycle of poverty by education, it's, a, it's an investment. It means that they no longer um, they no longer marry early, which is a huge problem in many of the developing areas. Mm. They are more confident that standing up for their rights and they, they, we break that uh, cycle of poverty by uh, ensuring that they in turn will understand and value uh, the education and will continue that on for the next generation. In terms of the transformative power that you're talking about there, like, is it still deemed culturally inappropriate to educate young women in some parts of the world in the places that you're kind of focused on or is it all down to resources? The culture is not against it per se yeah. um, but I think it's the value of women and the value of education may not be understood, particularly the value of education and obviously women's place in the society and if obviously if girls and women are educated that, that will change it and I think that's where you know it's, it's really getting into that cycle of deprivation that we need to ensure that girls are, are educated so they do stand up for their rights themselves. And, you know, if there are cultural norms there, that they are challenged and that it is not OK for girls to stay at home and do cooking while their brothers go out and go to school, that that's, that that's not acceptable. And we have seen huge changes over the years uh, with World Vision in this. It's quite amazing the difference that has made for uh, opportunities being opened to girls. Even things, and I've seen this myself, you know, some of the places that we work in are very remote. So uh, schools may be, you know, many kilometres away from where the children are living. And to have things like dormitories that are safe and safe sanitary arrangements for girls is really, really important so that they feel secure that they're able to continue on in their cycle of education. So let's talk about Girl Rising a little bit. So it's being shown on International Women's Day on the 8th of March in Dublin. It's actually been shown around the world as well. And it's not just a film. The Girl Rising campaign is very much a movement as well. Can you tell me a little bit about it? That's right. I mean, it's we it's girl rising, changing the world the, one girl at a time. It's an amazing film. Uh, it follows the the full film follows the lives of nine girls and their struggle for freedom, uh, for education particularly, uh, and generally to have their voices heard. Now we focus in the abridged version uh, because we also want to have a discussion on four girls and actually two of those girls have been um, supported uh, by World Vision to our work. So, you know, it really means an awful lot to us. But it's, it's actually, I've seen it a number of times and every single time I've seen it, I've come away saying, that's amazing. Yeah. 
the difference that education is making to these girls and the confidence that it gives them in their ability to change things for themselves. It's utterly amazing. So where is this viewing, or where is this being shown in Ireland on the 8th of March and how can people get tickets to it, Helen? It's at 7pm in Trinity College in the McNeil Theatre, although we are asking that people be there by 6.45. McNeil Theatre is in the Hamilton building in Trinity. So um, we really welcome people. Reply to us at wvireland at wveu.org or Eventbrite, who are also um, helping us with this. I really would welcome people coming along and we'll have a, a discussion afterwards. The type of inspiration that comes from us really does get people talking and saying, well, you know, what can we do about this? Absolutely. Helen Kyo, thank you so much for taking the call. Thank you very much, Dean. So, International Women's Day, what women inspire you in your life so it can be women that you know it can be any kind of women uh, I, for me definitely I really admire female politicians okay um, and look you know irrespective of what party they're they're representing whether it's an Helen McEntee or Anessa Childers or Mary Lou MacDonald or Frances Fitzgerald um, it's a really really tough game for women uh, in Ireland, we have diabolically low representation in yeah. our parliament uh, of you know for for women, and, and it's actually falling, which is very very frustrating. The last general election did bring in uh, some sort of quotas just to encourage parties to actually put more women on the ballot paper, which which was good, but didn't have a whole lot of impact when it came to actually yeah. getting women into Leinster House. So I think that for me, I always look at female politicians and think. That is a tough tough gig. gig. It's particularly tough for um, politicians that aren't based in Dublin because they have to leave, you know, if they're based in Cork or Galway, leave their families, come up to Dublin, spend three, four nights a week up here when, when Parliament is sitting. And it's just incredibly, incredibly difficult. And you look at the, you know, the Icelands of this world with their 50-50 parliament representation, men, women, and you just go, like, we're so far away from that. Um, And how do we, how do we address that? Definitely encouraging parties to get more women on the ballot papers is a huge step. But um, just women, Kate O'Connell is a fantastic example who's a mother and who has has a young family she's also a pharmacist um, and and who came I suppose she's she's gotten a higher profile now she's been very vocal on, on things like repeal the 8th we need more women like that um, who have who do have a young family and, and show others that it's, it is very very possible when it comes to things like politics and actually making decisions nationally that have a huge impact on people's lives it's just so important that your parliament your national parliament represents the people of the country yeah. and that means people from all all parts of Ireland it means people of different age brackets maybe people who've never been in politics before who have a different profession people who are quote unquote career politicians but you want all mixes and all all you know walks of life and that definitely includes having way way more women in there so you know any any woman who puts herself forward at either local level national level or European level uh, actually probably irrespective of whether she gets across the line or not yeah. um, you know you have to say hats off to that Would you ever go into politics Gillian? 
No, I, I put too many skeletons. <laughs> I don't know. I you know think, that I think you'd be a pretty good. Po- Donald Trump is showing you you can have umpteen skeletons. I think you could be a pretty good. good politician. I love that episode. It's, I think it's in the first series of House of Cards. Are we still allowed to talk about House of Cards? Okay, I'll talk about House of Cards. Sure, we can talk <laughs> sure, about House of Cards. We won't yeah. talk about Kevin Spacey. Come back without yeah. him. So it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. yeah. But um, sitting down and, and a guy's gonna they're he's, they're gonna put him forward like to be elected. And there's this like old like kind of wily guy, and he's like, so you have to sit me like you sit him down. He's like, you have to tell me everything like absolutely yeah. everything everything you've ever done in your life you need to tell me right now because then we can do it and he's like oh no maybe I did a, some drugs in college and he was like everything every <laughs> prostitute every da 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 everything. and he's like whoa but he does then ultimately spill it all but like it, it, that's what wow. I'd be afraid of what have I done Who's gonna- now I'm just thinking of all the politicians <laughs> in Ireland sitting down with someone and Get, getting all their skeletons out there. Yeah. God, I wish I had that job. It'd be so exciting. It'd be so exciting. It'd be so exciting. <laughs> what is that? It's crisis management or something yeah, like it that, is. isn't it? it? There's like a but job. Yeah, if they know about it beforehand, they can always like bury it. Yeah. But it's the problem is, is that like, when these candidates aren't, they don't fully disclose when they're not beforehand. honest. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then yeah. some journalist does <laughs> those the troublesome journalists they dig up something or other we are the, the worst we are the absolute worst <laughs> Paddy that was a great inspirational message there how can you top that so uh, you asked me inspirational what women, are, women what women inspire you yeah so, on International Women's Day yeah yeah I mean definitely first thing for me I think this conversation is always interesting one because picking out women mm. over like just people I know I always find that personally I find it strange like from for me in my life I've had so many really strong inspirational women that I would personally like be kind of blind to gender and I would is, I just know I am because like I don't ever think oh I've now got a, a female boss or no I know I work with a female I just think I'm working with people I think the opportunity for International Women's Day is that we can actually recognise inspirational women and we do that on site as well on her.ie so it's a really it's a good day to do that but I understand what you mean by not necessarily recognising gender which is a but valid point I but do, answer the question I am, I am <laughs> well like honestly like the people that have inspired me that are females mm-hmm. Um, but also people uh, my mom to be honest yeah. with you um, my Great sister one. my wife and and through my professional career I've had really like it's been characterised by really strong women in positions of power oh thanks yeah <laughs> Just say Jillian. It's fine. She's right there. So like I worked with Ruth Scott in 2FM, Jackie Hurley in 2FM, Katie Maloney, former CEO of Maximum Media, um, played music with uh, Lindsay Hogan in in Storyful. So like for me, like there's been all these and obviously working with you two guys and and all the fantastic ladies in Maximum Media. So like I've had, personally, I've had loads of really strong female figures in my professional and personal life but beyond that I am inspired on uh, on a daily basis by incredible like Frances McDormand when I watched her performance in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri I was like I know she's unbelievable I mean she's one of my like maybe my favourite female actress in terms of female actress what the hell is that (laughs) 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 my favourite favourite actress (laughs) um, is Frances McDormand so I mean I'm I'm inspired by her but beyond that like I would be a huge fan of a lot of um, female authors like um uh, Zadie Smith is one of my yeah. absolute favourites and I've read everything that she's ever written but again I didn't come to her books to think I need to read more female yeah. authors no. like it's just she's a she's brilliant author she's a great author. writer yeah. same for J.K. Rowling and I always thought it was interesting um, J.K. Rowling obviously as a name uh, a nom de plume that's gender 
you know, um, ambiguous. Yeah. yeah. So you don't know if she's male or female initially. And yeah. apparently that was a, a tactical thing. She did it, well, because she was refused for yeah. like a bunch of publishers were right. just like, no, this nobody so wants to hear about a little wizard. Right. And, li- and little boys <laughs> mightn't want to read. Yeah. I read this, little boys mightn't want to read a book by a female yeah. author. I wonder is that their dads don't want them to read I don't yeah. know if that was the case but I'd like to think that now in 2018 I mean the first Harry Potter was published in the late 90 early early noughties early no, I'm going to say the first I, Harry Potter I think first Harry Potter was late 90s it was actually. late 90s yeah it was yeah. bought it was actually and this is nothing bad on my parents but the Harry Potter books were bought for my brother and I would steal them so it was marketed as a boys book that's what it did originally right. but obviously but I would like to think it. in 2018 yeah everything that's happened that we don't necessarily have to have a situation where a female yeah. author has to come out and give her name as a, a the initials and hope yeah. that I'm sure people won't check or they won't know or mm. you know there won't be a, an issue there I think in terms of inspiring women if I was to choose I wouldn't be able to but I would say if you just go back and listen to every single episode of Girls With Goals there are inspiring women on 22 episodes Woo-hoo. and uh, actually just one that I want to mention is Louise O'Neill who's an author and she's coming on the show in a couple of weeks to talk about her new book so I'm really excited about that I have her new book at home I'm going to read it on my holidays I'm going to France on Saturday so (gasps) I'm going to literally read it and then I'm going to interview her and life is good Paddy's on his phone so i I got to let him go so that is all the time we have for this week thank you so much to my panel Gillian Fitzpatrick and Paddy McKenna thanks to Helen Keogh and Jessica Miles I'm Neve Marr and we'll chat to you next week